Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, welcome into the Dublin to Denver podcast on the Mile High Report Podcast Network. My name is Michael McQuinn. I'm joined by Colin Cronin, sure much after the Denver Broncos fall to a 17 to 13 defeat in Sin City in Las Vegas. That means they fall to seven and eight on the season, uh, and another losing season is staring them blankly in the face. They've got two games left against the Chargers and the Chiefs, two teams that are going for the AFC, going for the playoffs. Two difficult games. It's going to be a difficult, hopefully not a difficult end of the season, but something tells me it will be. Uh, Colin, welcome in. Feliz Navidad. Malikana, how are you? Uh, it's the fact that I have Baileys in my coffee at this time of year that is keeping me going, Michael, because it's certainly not watching this team. It's just Groundhog Day. It, it feels coming on the podcast. We're, it's the same sort of issues that we are talking about we've been doing this for what six years now in in some capacity Mick and uh, you know it's um obviously there's Super Bowl season and ever since then and it's like the law of diminishing returns you hope that it will be different and yet here here we are the same sort of issues emerging once again against the Raiders and even the parts that we were told would were you know Mike Munchak and that line well that line was horrific against the the Raiders and has had had issues 
for a lot of the the season. Um, we we'll get into this, but I think the idea that we're a quarterback away is a little bit hopeful. I think this team has holes in more places than just in the quarterback position. Stuart, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mick. Yeah, um, you know, it's not an awful lot to add in regards to what Colin just said there. I think, um, you know, that was yet another in a, in a sort of a long series uh, now of, of train wreck displays by the offense. Um, and as I said, you know, I think, as Colin said, we're, we're going to touch on it in a minute. But one of the things that I, I didn't, I mean, I think we all knew that the, the passing game has been borderline atrocious for most of the season, regardless of who the quarterback is. The one thing that has been consistently strong so far this season is the run game. Um, the run game completely disappeared against the Raiders team. We're not particularly good at defending the run uh, on, until they came up against us. And I, I just, I think players like Lloyd Cushenbury, who had well-documented struggles last season, but has improved this season to a sort of a middle-of-the-road centre. I think you saw the importance of him um, by his absence the other night. Um, you know, and I, I think you could probably argue that Shermer needed to be a little bit more creative when it came to the run plays, but there did come a point in the game where you go, I, I just don't know how you could even attempt to run the ball. The Raiders from four, the defensive line, seemed to live in our backfield. Um, one of the things about Locke, his pocket presence has been pretty poor in his career up to this point. I thought Locke actually did well in regards to escaping an awful lot of sacks. I think the Raiders only had two or three sacks in the night. The Raiders should have had six or seven sacks because they obliterated the middle of our offensive line. Um, and that was something that was a huge surprise to me. Um, and I think we also, unfortunately, saw the return of some uh, of our wide receivers that seemed to have bricks for hands, um, which really didn't help. Obviously, we'll talk about it later. But the most egregious was Albert O dropping a t uh, potentially a touchdown pass, or certainly a pass to put us in the red zone with a couple of minutes to go. So, yeah, it was just a it was a poor game. Um, Raiders, Liverpool, uh, Raiders. Broncos games should be Liverpool, Man United levels of, of intensity, you know, England, Australia, cricket stuff. Um, it was a really low quality, low intensity game um, that, you know, you, you you literally could have sort of closed your eyes and kind of went, this could have been any of our games over the last season, two seasons, three seasons. You know, there's not an awful lot apart from some good young defenders playing well and the return to form from Shelby Harris, there really wasn't an awful lot to get excited about that game. And indeed, there hasn't been an awful lot to get excited about this season. I think we're all sort of waiting for its death rattle to finish and we can sort of get on with next season, hopefully soon, with something approaching a little bit of hope. But that depends on, on George Payton, I think, from here on in. That's the word, isn't it? Hope. And we've got about... Hopefully, we're, hopefully we're going to win our last two games. And some sort of miracle is going to happen, but uh, I think if we are being realistic now, we have to hope over these next few months. Looking at the game quickly before I'm sure we go into a rant about certain people, management or players. I'm only joking. 17-13 uh, loss. Drew Locke didn't score a touchdown or a passing touchdown. The day. Javante Williams had one touchdown, but the Raiders held the Broncos to um, 18 yards rushing total. And that includes a minus four from Melvin Gordon on the day. Um, that is, that's atrocious. I mean, there's there, there's no real way in putting that. Is there? And on, on, on the receiving, the highest was Judy was 60. 
So there wasn't much going on there at all, Colin, in that game. Uh, Brandon McManus seemed to have an exciting game for what he was doing, uh, both on the field and off the field. But really, a, a, a calamity of a game and a game which uh, we'd like to forget about very quickly. Yeah, but to be honest, I'd like to forget again, most of our games against the Raiders in, in recent years. But the fact is that the, the running game was so atrocious. Like, Drew Drew Locke didn't turn the ball over. That's positive, as Stuart has highlighted, Drew Locke avoided a number of sacks. But I, for me, I, I've seen a number of people talk about Drew Locke playing well. I think he was... He was the best uh, uh, of what was out there, but I, I don't think you can classify 153 yards and zero in, interceptions as, as playing well. Now, it just goes back to this. Now, the, Teddy Bridgewater isn't the answer, and we should run with Locke through the end of the season. Okay, I, I do say that. But when I look at the te- Drew Locke has thrown for more than 300 yards three times in his time in the league, and he's in his third year. Davis Mills has thrown for more than 300 yards three times this year in his rookie year with all of the weapons that the the Texans have. So we heard all off season and we've heard for two years now about the weapons that the Broncos have. And all of a sudden it's all, it's all the drops. And so which is it? Do the Broncos have a super talented uh, core of receivers? Why are they suddenly having the drops? We heard earlier in the season that, there were people who were advocating that Albert O should take Noah Fan's place as tight end one, and all of a sudden it's like, well, Albert O, no, we should we should have known he he has no he's ne- never had the hands. Now, again, it goes back to the I, some of it is Twitter driven and and the need for a story all the time. So there's a, a talking point after the game, and you're brilliant, and you're this, and you're that, and it just is. It just feels to me like we maybe need to reassess where the Broncos actually are and go outside of the Denver or Broncos country bubble and look at this team realistically and where they're at. And there are things that this team do well. Uh, They are a really good bend, not break offense, um, but they aren't particularly good at getting off the field on third downs, but they don't give up touchdowns. They're very effective in the red zone, but uh, when it comes to the ability to put points on the board, they just fail uh, con- constantly. And it feels like this is football that we are trying to win by not losing. That's how we're approaching this in the Vic Fangio era. We are not going out there to win games. We are going out there to limit the off- the, uh, the opposing offense and hope that magic happens. Just somehow there something is going to, to come out of nowhere, a, a bit of brilliance, um, a pick six. But that uh, that's what it appears. It doesn't feel like, whereas the rest of the NFL has moved on. It's all about your offense and, and scoring points and, and splash plays. We saw Joe Burrow last week, a QB in his second year. We know how talented he is. But coming off an ACL injury, 525 yards and he's spreading it out amongst all of his receivers that's where the nfl is going that's not where the broncos have gone Stuart, have you any takeaways from this game before we look maybe at the next directions and decisions that have to be made yeah i mean i'm glad that they're going presumably block for the, the the last two games of the season i mean as much because that's what I, I'm kind of surprised 
Um, and maybe it is genuinely Teddy is still injured. But given how dysfunctional the Broncos are, I actually expected them to rush Teddy Bridgewater back to play two effectively meaningless games, despite the fact that he's had two serious concussions so far this season. So I think in one way, that's at least shows some sense of responsibility for management not to rush a player back to potentially get injured in games that don't really count for anything. So as long, you know, along with Locke, I'd like to see um, any other young players that we may have that we haven't seen an awful lot of to try and get some idea of what they're capable of in two live games. You know, I think, as Colin was saying, Locke did okay um, in the sense that he didn't have a turnover. I think he was really not helped at all by any of his other teammates whatsoever. Like, the the Jerry Judy drop wasn't critical. It was just poor play by Judy. Um, and it was interesting. He didn't get in a huff and he didn't. He was angry with himself, which I think should suggest that it was his fault. I think Corbin Sutton. I think we're used to seeing top drawer receivers toe tap to get that catch in at the start, which would have been a big gain. Um, but I think obviously the the Albert one was a critical drop. You're you're an NFL caliber tight end you you have to catch that ball what was very interesting afterwards was that Fangio I think at this stage hopefully knows he's a lame duck and he doesn't really even care about hiding his bias towards Bridgewater over Locke at this point um there was a couple of interesting tweets where Teddy had exactly the same amount of yards I think give or take uh, against the Chiefs and uh Vic was asked how he played. He said, I think he did a lot of good things, but we we let him down as a team. Uh, he was asked about Locke, and he said, well, you can't really say anything good about the offense when you've only got 150 yards in the air. So, you know, he's, he's not even bothering. That's fine. That's, you know, he's going to, he, he decided to ride with Teddy. He's going to die with by Teddy, hopefully. Um, you know, you, you need to make those catches. I do think we would have had a good chance of winning that game if Alberto had managed to haul in what is a pretty standard pass. It's not, it's not, you know, it wasn't a gimme, but it wasn't something that you'd say that would have been a miracle catch we brought it in. So I think he wasn't helped. The run defense for me was was incredibly porous. Um, I don't know if you heard the the co-commentators were talking about how the Broncos were effectively were were worried about what Derek Carr. You know, let's forget. You know, let's not forget we're talking about Derek Carr. They were worried about what Derek Carr had done to them in the first game, so they were effectively you know giving giving the Raiders the run game uh, on a plate. I, I, I genuinely, I can't remember a, a game where maybe was it the Lamar Jackson torch or something. No, Lamar torches in the air. The Raiders just ran the ball at will. Josh Jacobs has averaged 80 yards. Josh Jacobs had a down season for him. He's averaged 80 yards per game. He had 160 yards. Or the Raiders have averaged 80 yards. Um they are. They got 160 on the ground. Josh Jacobs hasn't had a 100-yard rushing game this season. He got one the other night. So, Colin said, yeah, Ben, don't break. Um, that's fine if it works. Uh, when it doesn't, it's it's useless. Um, Carr in the first half had all day back there to throw the ball, and then they decided they didn't need to throw the ball anymore when Shelby got the strip sack, I think. So, yeah, just a, you know, just a, just a poor showing, really. You know, like... They're in the game for a while. They have a chance to drive towards the end. It kind of reminds me of, in some ways, of the Tebow season, but without any of the excitement, you know, where it was like, let's win by playing great defense and running the ball, and then let's hope for a miracle at the end. It's like we have two-thirds of the puzzle, but we don't have Tebow, who suddenly goes from absolutely dreadful to, to miracle worker in the last two minutes, you know. 
Um, and at least that season had something. You know, we knew it was going to end in tears. Obviously, you know, Bill Belichick got a hold of it and destroyed it. But at least there was something. This is just, you know, we've said it before. I've said it before. I'm risk of repeating myself. It is like watching something from 1987. It's like something you expect prime John Madden to be commenting on with uh, with Pat Summerall. I don't think even John would have been able to, to put lipstick on this particular pig, you know. So, look, just just a, another in a series of rather dull Broncos games. And as Colin pointed out, you've got Joe Burrow. And yet again, you know, you look around the league, you, if you're looking at it on red zone, if you look at the highlights later on of other games, you see these incredibly exciting Star Wars-like scores and, you know, balls being aired out. We don't get any of that. Um so I just, you know, please, please make an end. Please make it stop soon. I like the way you brought in John Madden there. Obviously, rest in peace, John Madden. He died on Wednesday at the age of 85. Um, I just want to go back very quickly there to what uh, you said about Alberto. Colin, every week the commentator seems to have a different pronunciation for his surname. Can you help me? for? I, I thought it was Alberto, Alberto Kawaganam. Genuinely, that, then, like the other day, he said something else. Yeah, that's, that's that my, sounds, yeah, that that's, sounds right, Mick. That is that. That's it. But yes, I agree, uh, Mick. Every, every, yeah, or <laughs> every time I hear it, it's just, I don't know what it is. I think maybe they they have been having Bailey's in their coffee before going into the broadcast oh, room. Um, I I agree with what you're saying. I think you know True Lock should be used for the last two games of the season. Um, look, he's not putting up lightning numbers or anything, but he should have. He should have played the season. Uh, I seen a really good article during the week of the way that Vic Fangio would talk about Teddy Bridgewater whenever he was struggling, and the way in which he talked about Drew Lock whenever he was struggling, and it just shows pure favoritism. Um, and I, I don't want to get into the whole Fangio thing yet, Colin, but you know he's not helping himself with, with, with these situations where he's clearly being biased towards Teddy Bridgewater. Mick, he, he didn't help himself when he walked in the door and he questioned Von Miller. Well, you know, that yeah. was the fir- very first thing that Vic Fangio did as Broncos head coach. He then talked about death by inches. And we we thought that he was going to ensure that didn't happen. Little did we know that it would be watching the Broncos die by inches over the course of the next three years because... It is ju- just, you know, every week we there, there seem to be new ways in which the Broncos almost find to lose. Like you limit opposing QBs to um, 17 points or 14 points. I think the over the course of the, the season, um, Vic Fangio's defense has limited opposing um, QBs to 210 yards, passing yards. And that's like to, to do that. It sounds fantastic. And then you look at the Broncos record and you look at, you know, who the Broncos have played. The the Jaguars are a shambles. I mean, absolutely one of the biggest messes we've seen. When you're more of a train wreck, when you're more of a dumpster fire than the Texans, that's saying it all. And for some reason, the Jags are keeping their general manager. So expect that to continue. The Jets, we've seen how bad they are. The, um, the, the Giants. The Giants might be one of the few um, franchises with a, a bigger mess at QB than us because they have three guys and none of them are any good. 
and then uh, you know you had the the li the lions who were a disaster so yeah we've played some tough games obviously against the chiefs and uh, against the bengals but we've definitely had some gimmies over the the course of the season and vicks in game decision making remains baffling and yeah there's a clear bias for some players in in his press conferences anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect define an opportunity imagine talking to millions of people across the US like i am now identify a problem creating an audio ad is time consuming offer a solution utilize cutting edge ai imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds well we did to create this ad to learn more about ai in the audio industry download the white paper from audiostack.ai Stuart, you're a mute. I know it's important what you're trying to say, but you but you're a mute. This happens at least once. Well, a week. I'm just uh, there, just just back just to, to go back to what you're saying. We had the second easiest schedule um, in the NFL this season. We are currently picking tenth in the draft. Were it to happen tomorrow, so we're twenty second effectively in the NFL with the second easiest schedule. So yes, we've had an amazing um, upset victory against the Cowboys and we really managed to somehow scramble Justin Herbert, which is a difficult thing to do. But aside from that, we're beating, we're beating teams that are just absolutely train wrecks effectively. All, you know, we've had, as you said, you listed them. We, we, you know, so of the seven victories, two of them, you'd have to say, have been really surprising and, and really um accomplished wins the rest of them are against teams that are absolutely dreadful and i think it just goes to back up everybody knew what teddy bridgewater was so a, a proper functioning nfl team would have started the younger quarterback for the first three games and if he struggled which he may have done because there's no guarantee that Locke was going to perform well in those three games but if he did then you always had the opportunity of going with the veteran guy um because you knew what he could do it was a perfect opportunity to get Locke a little bit of form um, uh, because we do have some weapons now. We do have a much better running attack than we would have had in previous years. And we didn't do it. And what you've got now is you've got a team which is actually somehow with all these alleged weapons and with this running game, with these tight ends, these wide receivers that we're playing, uh, we've actually somehow managed to average less points this season than we did last season. We averaged 20 points, 20.2 points, last season at the moment we're averaging 19.7 so the veteran guy the guy who never had a team with so many weapons the guy that was going to step in and lead us to the promised land has scored less points with the second easiest schedule in the nfl this season so that's how badly mismanaged the situation has been from the get-go and we started three and let's not forget about that this team started three and they've only won four games since and that that was that we're now going into week 17 here so uh, and and the, it's, it's not good. The the civil war still rages. Like if they wanted to move on from from Drew Locke, then they should have moved on from Drew Locke, and they should have traded Drew Locke. But to keep Drew around after the there was so much PR before Teddy, we traded or, or brought Teddy in, and and then you you it was it was inevitable that that you were going to have all of this controversy. As soon as, because if, if Locke had started and he had, he had one bad game, then it would have been, oh, we need to put Teddy in. Now, T Teddy starts and Teddy doesn't do well, so it becomes Locke. And people, 
there are some people out there who are so entrenched in either position that they will refuse to acknowledge good play or competent play for them. I don't think either of these guys were ever the answer. I think there should be serious questions asked that we are once again that a franchise that ha- ha- that did this with Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon and ran that back the following year found itself in the exact same situation just a couple of, of years on from that. There needs to be some serious soul searching done in the front office. Maybe that changes with a new owner, but it is it is like baffling and almost a dereliction of duty that we are once again in that exact same situation that you're coming to the end. I remember the exact same thing. It should have been Simeon. It should have been Paxton off. We'd put Paxton in. I mean, it's it's infuriating that we that just the carousel just goes round and around and around. Something that's going round and around, uh, a tradition unlike any other. We are approximately uh, j- just over two weeks away from that press conference year which is now a yearly press conference of disappointment from from joe ellis i uh, can't wait it's probably if you're if you're wondering when it is around 12 eastern seven o'clock ireland time uh look, looking forward to it because it should be his last one um and before we get our picks for the game let's not cut the crap here i'm presuming we all watched fancho's press conference on, on monday and it was around it was it was it was monday evening time the first thing that Fangio was asked was literally asked. I think it was Troy Rank. I don't want to put words in people's mouths. But I think Troy Rank asked him and said, do you think you deserve to be here next year? Not do you think you know, you'll know you be here. Do you think you deserve to be here next year? And he said, absolutely. And he looked like a man that was surprised he was being asked that question. He looked annoyed. He looked offended. Is he taking the piss? Oh. You see, Mick, there's been quite a few... Um... And I don't include Troy in this, but there's been quite a few Broncos-friendly journalists on Twitter over the last few days have floated um, the idea that Fangio deserves another chance. Um, Now, I can only hope that they've done that to see the kind of blowback um, that these notions have been sort of met with to kind of gauge fan sentiment um and thankfully the vast majority of fans are not complete morons because they know that this idea is is absolutely atrocious so you know you've got the whole old you know we we'd started back i think with certain journalists saying that you know vic has had no chance in kansas city you can say what you want but the offense is and then you know you've gotten the narrative of just being a qb away the, the reality is if the Broncos lose these last few games, which is extremely likely uh, because the Chiefs are not going to be resting starters because the Chiefs need to um, win first seed, number one seed in, in the AFC. If we lose these next two games, this will be the third season out of three that Vic Fangio has had double-digit losses. And this is the guy that we're supposedly hoping that's going to come good. It's like, you kind of know what, if Vic gets a quarterback, then, you know, he's going to be like, so does everything have to be absolutely perfect for this guy to, to get to the playoffs? He is now rivaling Lou Saban as the worst Broncos head coach in regards to win losses in three years in the history of the franchise. 
Um, so, so this is the level we're talking at. And again, you've got to look at, it's been, the win column this season has been completely, um, I would say, inflated by playing five of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, you know, so l- l- let's not lose sight of the fact that, and as I said, hopefully there was so much reaction to these because a couple of journalists did sort of, and these would be team-friendly journalists. And as I said, I hope it was just a PR exercise. Um, because it, it's 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 just mind-boggling that this is even a debate. If Fangio doesn't make the playoffs, Fangio should be fired immediately and all of the, um, the coordinators gone with him. Now, yeah, it would be a disappointment because the defense has played well, although the defense does never ever seem to get a stop when they absolutely need to. Let's not forget that either. But like, Tom McMahon is still there. You know, I mean, poor old Colum had the same screensaver name for <laughs> two years. With Tom. Tom McMahon is still there. The most boring, dullest offensive coordinator in the league is still there. Fangio, I mean, this is, how is this even a debate? Do you know, like no other team in the NFL would countenance a, 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 a three-time double-digit head coach loser to stay on for another season if somehow, and do you think, do we really think Aaron Rodgers wants to stay on or wants to come here if Vic stays on and Pat Romer is still the offensive quarter? Not a chance. Or Russell Wilson. Come on. So hopefully it was just an exercise engaging fan sentiment and in fairness, the fans could not have been any clearer about what they thought about that. Vic, Vic Fangio has won one more, um, like in in the well, in terms of his his winning record, it's it's just he he's so like where you're talking about three years and and looking at that as a sample size, um, and you're talking about point. 0.404 is um, where where Vic ranks, um, which put, puts him ju- just above uh, Josh McDaniels um, in in terms of and and people talk about the Josh McDaniels era. We know how we we all remember that. We know how we remember the the Vance Joseph um, era. Um, but Stuart has a fair point. Like what what exactly does it take? He has to have an all time worldy. QB in in Aaron Rodgers, who this week, let, lest we forget, um, there has been talk may either stay at the Packers or may retire. Um, though those two things are put on the 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 table this week. So, um, you know, there are the dreams and hopes out there of Broncos country, but there's the reality as well. So Vic would have to have, you know, that absolute standout defense and all time QB, and then he gets to make the playoffs. The most expensive defense in the NFL, lest we forget, Colin. The highest paid defense in the NFL. For me, I think um, no matter what happens over the next couple of weeks, this team went 3-0. And George Payton needs to show some sort of leadership, uh, especially in his first off season. No matter what's going on behind the scenes with ownership, Joe Ellis and his amazing press conference. I actually like Joe Ellis. He's, he's interesting to watch every every January to see what he says about the season. I'm only joking. Um, I, I, I think he needs to go regardless now. Um, the the last two months especially have been have been poor. We've got over the line in some games, but it, it's nowhere near the standard that you need to play at in, in order to win the AFC West. And let's 
let's be very clear here. If there was ever a year a team was going to win the West, it was this year. Like, like the Chiefs have not been, have not really come into themselves until recently, like until until maybe two or three weeks ago. Like, and there's no guarantee the Chiefs are going to go far in the playoffs. We we like we won't we don't know until then. Um, it's it's been very very disappointing, and I I personally think Banjo shouldn't be given another year. Um, I think he maybe might need a clean house. If we're going to start firing coordinators as a, as a get-out clause for Fangio, that'll be interesting. But I think you have to look at the, the media and certain people that are close to the team. I'm not going to name names because the media, like, look, the, the media has always been good to us, so I'm not going to say any names. It's more, you know, what sort of vibes are are, are, are they going to give up after Sunday's game? Are they going to start to talk about that there? Because the same thing happened whenever Vance Joseph, before he was fired, there was a text that went out saying he had kept his job uh, and that resulted in mass Armageddon online. Let's say uh, quickly look ahead to this game at the weekend. Uh, the Broncos are at least going to be in the stadium where the Super Bowl is in a couple of months. Uh, SoFi Stadium against the Chargers on Sunday. Colin, who have you got for this game and why? I actually think we match up quite well against the Chargers. I, I think that the Chargers are a team who have a great QB and have all sorts of issues elsewhere. I think their run defense is not not good, and I think Vic knows Brandon Staley well enough to be able to, to take advantage of it. I think they're also missing a number of players due to the COVID situation. I watched us in person do a number on the Chargers just a few weeks ago. Yes, that was at mile high, but the Chargers at home, it's probably going to be more Broncos fans there than Chargers fans. Broncos country travels in numbers, and for a game in in LA, in and around the the holiday period, I would expect to see a sea of orange there. I I do think that there is talent on um, this team and I think that we should be able to take advantage of the Chargers' weaknesses. So I I am uh, going to say that I, I don't see a reason why we shouldn't go and get the win in LA. I, I'm going to have us to, to beat the, the Chargers and, and then we'll see how things go against the Chiefs. We'll chat about that next week. But I don't I don't see anything to fear in the Chargers in that. Their run game isn't... They, they have Eckler and, and that's really it. Um, and Her, Herbert, we, we did a pretty good job of... Uh, a really good job of limiting him in the last day. I think we can do similar. There shouldn't be any excuses. We should go and beat the Chargers. Yeah, I, I actually agree with Colin. I think um, in some ways this Chargers team kind of reminds me of sort of early John Elway Broncos teams where you've got a superstar quarterback and not a huge amount of help around him. Um, the Chargers cannot stop the run. Um, Colin, you saw it in the flesh. They cannot defend against the run. They're even less likely to defend against the run when they've got so many key defenders on the COVID list. Um, I would expect us to do better Um the line has to improve. I think Lloyd Cushenbury should be back, which I think helps greatly. Uh, he was badly missed, as I said earlier on. I would expect us to lean heavily on the run game, especially at the start. Um, but uh, the thing about the Chargers is, and what's been interesting about them was, the Chargers are like the antithesis of us. They, they're involved in unbelievably exciting games every game, which is 
sort of resulted in them losing a lot more games than they really ought to. I think their points per game is they score 27.2 points per game and they allow 27.4. So like they're a team that gets into shootouts and dog fights that they really shouldn't. They should have a better record than they have. So I, I think if we can run the ball better, um, I don't think we could conceivably run the ball any worse than we did at the weekend. I think that's the worst rushing performance by a Broncos team I've ever seen. Um, and I include some of those 80s Super Bowls in those where Sammy Winder was the leading running back. Um, so I, I, I think we should have enough. Um, I think the Chargers, they look like a young team that's getting nervous as the finishing line is coming into sight. So I think we can take advantage of that. I think we do, as Colin said, I think we match up well with them. Um, so I would I would think we should win this game by uh, a field goal. Okay, well, I... Do you know, I, I have to give it to you boys. Like, I'm being serious here. Like, I wish I had your outlook and, and your positivity because I think my life would be a lot happier if I did. Um, look, I, I know the Chargers got, got like beaten well by a non Texans team last week, but over the last four games, they've scored 41, 37, 28 against the Chiefs. They scored 28 points uh, and 29 last week. Um, our, our offense isn't scoring more than 18 points in the next two weeks. It's not. And fair, granted, you could maybe hand it off to Javante a couple of times, especially that game against Kansas City, which is at home, and he might get a few runs together. But I don't have any confidence in in this team going into Los Angeles. I think the Chargers fans are, are licking their lips here, to be quite frank. These boys, I, I can't see it. You're, you're looking at a team that are fourth in overall offense against a Broncos team that are ranked 19th. Um, I I understand the Chargers defense isn't great, um, but I still think Herbert will get it done. Genuinely, I you know is Drew Locke going to go into Los Angeles and and score two or three tutties? He's not. Mick, if it's um, any consolation, I think we're going to get absolutely hosed by the Chiefs the following week. So don't you know this <laughs> idea that myself and Colin are you know all all rosy in the garden? But I don't I don't think that's going to. Well, the, the, the Chargers. The Chargers are considerable favourites. They're they're minus six and a half. Like that, that's a considerable, you know. I I just don't I, I, I don't believe in the Chargers. Like I I I believe in Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert is a fantastic QB. But I look at what they. I think they did the, a very smart job in in terms of what they did with the O line and and looking to protect him. But I just don't think that. I'm not a believer in Mike Williams. I really, I think he is massively overrated. Keenan Allen, absolutely in the red zone, I like. But I, and I, I, at tight end, I don't think they have a, a really good tight end. I think that would be a huge, what they should be looking for in the off season is to bring in a tight end to give Herbert an escape valve. But I, that, that is, I suppose, where, where I see it. And I, I think that we should have enough in terms of, Gordon and Javante to take advantage of it. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I said that to, to Stuart uh, just before we hit record. I said this is just going to be we what the Broncos do. We drag you down to our level, and um, sometimes we get get lucky in that we don't allow you to to get up. Um, but if you if you can get up and you can take advantage of us, but we don't generally allow that. We just keep hold of you and we kind of smother you to to death. But I, that's why I think, Mick, we won't score more than 18 points, but we'll probably win 17-14. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, okay. Right. That's us for now. So two Broncos, one one Chargers pick. Let's see what we're talking about come next week. But uh, I want to pre- I want to thank you boys for coming on. I want to thank the Malhai Report Podcast Network for the uh, again the help of getting this online. I uh, hope you enjoy the game this weekend, lads. And happy New Year to all of Happy New Year, everybody listening in. Go Broncos and chat to you again next week. Happy New Year. Go Broncos. Here's hoping 2022 is better to us all. <laughs> oh, go Broncos. Soon this will all be over. The most exciting thing we've got to look forward to is Joe Ellis' press conference in about 10 days' time. Oh, please, God. Go Broncos. Bring, bring it on. Go Broncos. See you later, lads.